president call the U.S. justice system a, a joke and a laughing stock? That's uh, not what he said. It's actually exactly what he said. It's exactly what he said. Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. That's why. I got the feeling that something right. No, it ain't. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. He's out of town, And right? I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Yep. Yes, I'm stuck From in Pacifica the Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA. In Oregon on 91.7 KYAQ on the Central Coast, 106.7 KSO in Cottage Grove. In Lancaster, Pennsylvania on 92.9 WLRI. In Maui, Hawaii on 88.5 KAKU. In Columbus, Ohio on WGRN 94.1. In Palinville, New York on 102.9 WLPP. In Grand Rapids, Michigan on WPRR. In New Orleans on 102.3 WHIV. In Washington, D.C. on 105.5. And in Minneapolis, St. Paul on AM 950. KTNF. We also stream coast-to-coast and around the globe every day on the internets, on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, GDPR, Revolution 99, Workforce Rising, Detour Talk, and Radio Sputnik. Blanketing Planet Earth, five days a week. I'm Brad Friedman. Your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around very, very swell fellow says me from bradblog.com. Thank you very much for joining us today as we delve into the files to try to catch up with a whole bunch of stuff that has happened over uh, recent days that I have wanted to get to. And now maybe, depending on how much Desi Doyen talks... I'll, I'll be able to get to... How are you, Desiree? I'm doing all right. All right. Very Lots good. Lots to talk about today. Yes, for a change. We'll see what we get to. Uh, <laughs> we, have, uh, we have already uh, played uh, Donald Trump's comments uh, a few days ago following the attack in New York City that left eight dead after a man plowed his rented truck onto a bike path in, in lower Manhattan. The man was uh, quickly detained by police, was shot and detained by police. He has survived. He has been charged uh, very quickly with federal uh, terrorism charges. The man who is said to have uh, carried out the attack in the name of ISIS. Well, the next morning, I think this was, uh, Trump commented on the matter uh, uh, very quickly, calling the man an animal, said we must stop such attacks immediately. And then he described the U.S. justice system as a joke and a laughing stock. That was a horrible event. And we have to stop it. And we have to stop it cold. We also have to come up with punishment that's far quicker and far greater than the punishment these animals are getting right now. Torture, torture. They'll go through court for years. At the end, there'll be who knows what happens. We need quick justice and we need strong justice, much quicker and much stronger than we have right now. Because what we have right now is a joke and it's a laughing stock. And no wonder so much of this stuff takes place. And I think I can speak for plenty of other countries, too, that are in the same 
situation. So what does that even mean? What we have right now is a joke. Who knows what will ha- what happens at the end? Well, we we know what happens. They pretty much always I guess not even pretty much. They always get convictions in cases like this. In this case, the guy will get either life in prison or the death penalty. What he has been charged with uh, can be uh, punished by death. So Trump uh, also said uh, that he would later that he would consider sending the guy to Gitmo to go to Guantanamo to the prison down there. Uh, where there basically is no system of justice for any of those prisoners, even even those who are completely innocent but are held are held there for years and years and years and years without charge, many of them tortured in various brutal ways. I guess maybe that's what he means by uh, a, a joke that he would like that that is not a joke that what happens in Gitmo is not a joke. I think that's a, indeed the implication of it is that he has this impression that hey the our laws don't apply down in Guantanamo Bay so let's send him there because he doesn't actually care but what the But our American says. justice system exactly. is a joke is a laughing stock. Well, that after he said that in the uh, right before a cabinet meeting in the White House later that very same day just hours later the White House flatly denied that he said anything like it, that he called the criminal American criminal justice system a joke or a laughing stock. And this apparently stunned reporters at the White House who had just before heard Trump say exactly that. But this is how our country worked. This is how our White House now works. A few hours after that uh, Trump cabinet meeting where he made those comments that you have now heard, CNN's Jim Acosta asked White House Press Secretary Sarah Huckabee Sanders, why did the president call the U.S. justice system a joke and a laughingstock? The president called the U.S. justice system a, a joke and a laughingstock during his comments. In the- <laughs> That's uh, not what he said. He, he said that the system of justice uh, in this country is a joke. He said that process. He said the process has people calling us a joke and calling us a laughing stock. Uh, look, I think, as I told Margaret, he simply pointed out his frustration uh, of how long that this process takes, how costly this process is, um, and particularly for someone to be a known terrorist, that that process shouldn't move faster. That's the point he's making. That's the frustration he has. So, no, he he didn't, Sarah Huckabee Sanders. He did not say that the process has people calling us a joke, calling us a laughing stock. What, what did what did Trump say again in that uh, in that cabinet meeting? What we have right now is a joke and it's a laughing stock. And no wonder so much of this stuff takes place. And I think I can speak for plenty of other countries, too, that are in the same situation so uh and what did sarah huckabee sanders uh the white house press secretary say that he said president called the u.s justice system a, a joke and a laughing stock during his comments in the <laughs> that's uh, not what he said he, he said that the system of justice uh in this he said country that process he said the process has no, people he, calling us a joke no call- he, he didn't say anything of the kind so that's what we're dealing with here with this White House, which is just completely out of touch with reality. But you know what? You knew all of that. 
you knew all of that. And after, uh, after all, the, the president, he's out of the country now? Has he left the country? Has Elvis left the building? I don't think he's actually left, but he's leaving shortly. Uh, uh, I, regardless, he'll be gone for t- t- 12 for days. Two, for 12 days. Uh, he's heading to Asia now for this uh, trip where, you know, there is no uh, Twitter there. There will be no media. We won't hear from him for another 12 days. <laughs> yeah, right. I wish. But in, in any event, um, so he's now gone. And so he's he's furious, I guess, or pretending to be about the system of American justice. But then the very next day, another guy, another guy terrorized another neighborhood, this one in Denver. But that guy, I guess, maybe because he was a white guy who appears to have shot Hispanic people. So I guess we don't need to send him to Gitmo or strengthen or change, speed up our our justice, our American justice system there. As a matter of fact, I don't even know that Donald Trump said anything about this at all. Two men and a woman were killed in a another mass shooting <clears throat> inside a suburban Denver Walmart this week that forced customers to either hide or flee in panic. The men, a 66-year-old and a 26-year-old, died at the store. The woman in this case was aged 52. She died at the hospital. Based on their names, uh, all three seem to have been uh, Latino. The uh, Denver Post reports that inside the Thornton Walmart on Grant Street, people flooded towards exits in confusion, dropped to the floor for safety, bunkered in store offices as a gunman who is uh, who police believe is a 47 year old white man who was arrested. But not until the next morning. This took place in the evening. Uh, he walked in around 6, 10 p.m. local time and began shooting at random. Customers around the store were confused. They didn't know if it was a toy gun or fireworks. Uh, but then more pops rang out. And yes, they figured out this were this was, in fact, gunshots. One of the couples interviewed by Denver Post described nonstop shooting with only a small break. The suspect eventually left the Walmart, which is about 10 miles north of Denver in a very busy shopping center that includes restaurants, a movie theater, several other stores. And yet this has uh, hardly been covered at all over the past few days, unlike what happened in New York City. Uh, When the gunman opened fire... Shoppers screamed, they ran for cover, and others pulled out their own handguns. I guess it's Colorado. Do they have uh, concealed uh, carry laws? Is that allowed in Colorado? you have any it's, idea? I don't know what the yeah. gun laws are, but it sounds like they have something like that. Well, the, apparently those who drew their weapons during the shootings ultimately ended up delaying the entire investigation as uh, law enforcement was trying to figure out who the hell this guy was. Because, remember, he then walked out of the store and disappeared. He was not uh, obtained until the next morning. Uh, Authorities had to pour over surveillance videotape trying to identify who the assailant was who killed three people, according to police. Although authorities said a few individuals drew handguns, they say they know they posed no physical hazard to officers. That's good. They might have, but uh, but their presence, they say, absolutely slowed down the process of determining who and how many suspects were involved in this shooting. According to a Thornton police spokesman, it took more than five hours to identify the suspect who was accused in the uh, seemingly random shootings. The problems for investigators came when they reviewed the surveillance footage and they had to follow each individual 
with a firearm until they could eliminate them as a suspect in this case. You know, they've got all of these uh, security cameras all over the place. So once they find someone with a gun, then they have to go back and track them from camera to camera. Which white guy with the gun was the perpetrator? Yeah, well, at that point, I don't even know if they knew it was a white guy with a gun. They didn't know if there was more than one. Uh, once uh, They said once the uh, building was safe enough to get in, they started reviewing the surveillance video as quickly as they could, and that's when we started noticing that a number of individuals had pulled weapons. At that point, as soon as, as, soon as you see that, that's the one that you have to trace throughout the store only to find out, oh, that's not him. And then we're back to ground zero again, starting to look again. And that is what they say led to the extended time before they were even able to come out with a, a suspect at all. The spokesman did not elaborate on whether any individuals were were detained or tested for gunshot residue or if anyone other than the suspect had fired shots during the incident. But the uh, spokesperson said that it would be hard to quantify how much more quickly the investigation could have proceeded if not for this. Uh, Darlene Jackson, a truck driver who was in the toy section of the store when she heard the gunshots, uh, later heard that people other than the shooter had guns, but that they did not confront the killer. She said, why wouldn't they draw their guns and shoot him? Well, for one good reason, uh, had they done so and then the police arrived, those people who had just shot the shooter might have been killed themselves if the police decided that that person was the shooter. Wingnuts have, uh, you know, bought into this deadly NRA lie that more guns means more safety. And that is just not true. As studies have shown, people can get killed, uh, you know, when they pull out a gun, when they think they're, uh, you know, going to kill the shooter. They can get shot themselves by police. They can kill that. They can shoot the wrong people. Innocent bystanders. More guns just make things more dangerous for everybody. But interestingly enough, that shooter was not described as an animal by the president of the United States. I don't know that he mentioned this shooting at Walmart at all. He did not call to change the justice system. It's just another day in America where somebody uh, randomly uh, starts shooting people in a Walmart. It barely makes the news. That's where we are in these United States. Uh, In the uh, let's keep pretending that guns aren't a way huger problem than Islamic terrorism file. Meanwhile, from the Puerto Rico is still in desperate need file. United Nations experts faulted the the U.S. response to hurricane devastation in Puerto Rico in a report out uh, this week, calling it ineffective and lagging far behind the support provided for storm-struck states on the mainland. So, yes, the rest of the world has apparently noticed what we have done here uh, six weeks now out after Hurricane Maria struck Puerto Rico with winds up to 155 miles per hour. They've noticed that the conditions remain, quote, alarming six weeks later for the island's three and a half million people. The uh, group of 11 United Nations independent experts uh, issued this report calling for a speedy and well-resourced emergency response, which apparently we still do not have. Thousands have been left homeless by the storm and have no relief in sight, they found. Few of the island's hospitals were functioning. There were reports 
that available water supplies were contaminated, according to the experts in, uh, in a statement issued. About 30% of the normal electric power is uh, being generated on the island, according to officials, so some 70% is still out. Lilana Farah, the U.N. Special Rapporteur on Housing, said we can't fail to note the dissimilar urgency and priority given to the emergency response in Puerto Rico compared to the U.S. states that were affected by hurricanes in recent months. The critical report comes as questions continue to swirl around that $300 million contract to help rebuild Puerto Rico's power grid given to this tiny uh, Montana company which uh, Governor Ricardo Rosseo uh, in Puerto Rico announced on Sunday that he had canceled this uh, deal that the Puerto Rico Electric Power Authority, or PREPA, had made with Whitefish Energy Holdings. Soon after that deal was announced, questions were raised. Uh, did the company Is the company tied to sec- the Secretary of Interior, Ryan Zinke, who happens to be from this small Whitefish, Montana town? Where his son worked, I think, didn't his son yeah, work his for son, a time with this company? was a summer intern at that company, so right. obviously they do know each other personally. But they claim there was no wrongdoing here, nothing was wrong. A U.S. House committee is investigating uh, what, or supposedly, I should say, investigating what went on with this deal. Uh, the office, uh, the, the inspector general of the Department of Homeland Security will supposedly be reviewing the deal. In the meantime, in a phone interview with the New York Times, uh, Farah, the uh, independent expert with the U.N., said that it was, quote, very worrying that she had not been able to obtain clarity on the number of people who were still homeless after the storm. She noted that estimates of the number of houses destroyed ranged anywhere from 30,000 to 90,000. Yeah. Uh, but a 60,000 home disparity six weeks into this thing. And federal officials don't even have have that down. She said it's similarly troubling that um, uh, nobody knows how many have actually died in the wake of this storm. Estimates are now all over the place. The estimates are around a thousand. Yes, because Uh, of, you know, with the disruption that's going on, it has been very difficult for coroners on Puerto Rico, on the island, to actually assess who died from what. And we have been discovering that about 900 people have been have been listed as dead since the Hurricane Maria struck, but they were all cremated before any investigation was taken on what actually happened to them. And there's a lot of questions as to why. And this say yeah, uh, and there is just a huge disparity. I think the uh, official numbers that I saw as of uh, this past week were sixty six direct fatalities from the storm and twenty eight indirect. That still does not explain the gaping nine hundred nine hundred body difference that nobody seems to care about. Thousands of engineers had been deployed in Texas and Florida to reconnect homes to the electricity grid after. Hurricanes hit those states just days uh, prior to Hurricane Maria, a number far in excess of the crews who were deployed to Puerto Rico, according to the U.N. inspector's report. Farah said FEMA is overall responsible. I don't understand why FEMA can respond so quickly and affirmatively in Texas and why they weren't deployed similarly in Puerto Rico. 
that the observation from the United Nations. Meanwhile, one of those U.S. House committees <clears throat> that was supposed to be investigating the uh, this terrible response by FEMA on the island appears to have abruptly canceled a planned hearing that was set for this week, but only after the mayor of Puerto Rico's capital city of San Juan had flown all the way to Washington, D.C. <clears throat> to testify as she had been invited. Carmen Julian Cruz on Twitter uh, said Republicans uh, cancel hearings where Brock Long, the FEMA director and myself were to testify on FEMA's readiness in Puerto Rico. What, she asked, are they afraid of? Hi, this is Julian Cruz. I just landed in D.C. I was invited by Benny Thompson, uh, from home, ranking member, uh, Democratic from Homeland Security Committee uh, to a hearing where the director of FEMA and myself we're going to appear and testify as to the effectiveness of FEMA. Uh, in my case, uh, that wasn't going to be uh, the case because, of course, you know that even though I have said that in the past week, week and a half, things have sped up, um, it was deplorable the way that FEMA acted against the Puerto Rican people. So here we are. We just landed. Uh, and uh, we were told, we received a statement by uh, uh, Congressman Benny Thompson uh, stating that the majority, Republican majority, for the second time in a row, has canceled the hearing with no uh, date for it to be rescheduled. Um, I'm just wondering, what are they afraid of? Uh, the truth has been told. People have seen all over the world how the United States uh, Trump's administration, uh, because I always have to make that difference. There's a difference between the American people and the Trump administration and how they have treated Puerto Rico. And now, if anyone had any doubt in Washington, D.C., with this canceling of the meeting, uh, perhaps they thought I was going to back out. Well, I never back out from telling the truth, and we're going to keep on fighting. So we're going to use the time to visit people in Capitol Hill, those that aren't scared of the truth, those that can handle the truth, so that they will help us make things better in Puerto Rico. We're going to keep up the fight. That was San Juan Mayor Carmen Julian Cruz after she had flown all the way to Washington, D.C., only to be told that the uh, House, U.S. House hearing had been canceled by the Republicans uh, because I think she's right. They don't want to talk about this response in Puerto Rico. They hope it goes away. They hope it goes away despite the fact that people continue suffering uh, terribly down there on the island. U U.S. citizens suffering terribly on the island. So uh, white guys uh, shoot people, Latino victims in this case, in a Walmart. No big deal. Don't even talk about it. No crisis. President doesn't call the legal and justice system a joke. American citizens in Florida and Texas are, uh, are crushed by hurricanes. FEMA is all over it. They're all over it. The response is great. A plus, the president says. Uh, but three and a half million American citizens in Puerto Rico, however, uh, are still without power or water or shelter a month and a half after that hurricane made landfall. And we hardly hear a word about it. No hearings in the U.S. House. Those are canceled. The president gives himself a 10 out of 10 for that response. And we all move on. Oh, and uh, speaking of stuff that the uh, president and thus the corporate media ignore, we have uh, we've discussed many times in recent months uh, the attacks against Islamic Americans 
in this country that the White House and largely the media continue to ignore. But they also seem to ignore this from the hate crimes on the rise file. Anti-Semitic incidents have surged nearly 70 percent nationwide Wait, in 2017. What? Yep. 70 percent? Well, 67 percent to be uh, specific. Uh, This according to new data from the Anti-Defamation League that was released on Thursday. The ADL said that from January 1 until September 30 of this year, there have been 1,299 reported anti-Semitic incidents. That's up from uh, 770 during the same period in 2016. The incidents tracked included uh, uh, criminal and non-criminal acts of physical assault, vandalism, attacks on Jewish institutions, distribution of hate propaganda. The uh, CEO of the Anti-Defamation League uh, said in a statement that the white supremacist rally in Charlottesville, Virginia, earlier this year highlighted the trend because the data showed a spike in incidents immediately after that rally. He said, we are astonished and horrified by the rise in anti-Semitic harassment, incidents and violence targeting our communities. While the tragedy in Charlottesville highlighted this trend, it was not an aberration. Every single day, white supremacists target members of the Jewish community. White supremacists chanted, you'll recall, Jews will not replace us during the rally in Charlottesville, which left one woman dead when a uh, driver plowed his vehicle into a crowd of counter-protesters. There, I don't recall Trump uh, calling the legal system a joke after that one, or that justice should be quicker and stronger, or that he'd consider sending the perpetrator to Gitmo. Or that the perpetrators were animals. Yeah, he didn't. No, they were very, some, some of them very fine people. According to the ADL, there have been 700 incidents of anti-Semitic harassment this year, including 162 bomb threats against Jewish institutions, 584 incidents of vandalism, 12 physical assaults. A release from uh, ADL highlights a notable increase in these uh, in these incidents on college campuses and in K through 12 grade schools where incidents more than doubled in those in the schools. The incidents more than doubled in 2017 from 2016. So kids, a whole new generation is now blossoming with anti-Semitic hate. Thank you, Mr. President. Uh, Greenblatt, uh, the uh, head of the ADL, said we are deeply troubled by the rising number of anti-Semitic incidents, bullying and hate in our nation's schools. And we don't think the statistics paint a full picture of what is happening. Many school-based incidents still go unreported. As a country, we have to do more to ensure that our schools remain places where students can learn safely without fear of bullying and hate. Hey, bullying is now our national pastime in this country. And it's coming straight from the Twitter feed of the president of the United States of America. All right. Quick break. We'll come back. Uh, Maybe we'll open uh, the GOP's pretend voter fraud file straight ahead. Or the GOP's tax cut file or the climate change is a hoax file. So many files to get to. So little time. I'm Brad Friedman. This is your Bradcast.
Hi, this is Desi Doyen from the Green News Report and the Bradcast. What the public hears on the public airwaves matters. At the Bradcast, we do our best to bring you accurate news and analysis on the issues that actually matter. And we do it all independently, without corporate or political influence. But we can't do it without you, now more than ever. Please help us stay on your public airwaves by going to bradblog.com donate to help keep us going. That's bradblog.com donate. And thanks. Carry on my wayward son. There'll be peace when you are done. Lay your weary head to rest. Don't you cry no more. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from Bradblog.com playing Kansas, so we must be talking about their wayward son, uh, <laughs> Secretary of State Chris Kobach. Hey, remember that uh, that uh, advisor, presidential advisory commission on election integrity that everyone refers to as a voter fraud committee? Remember that? Oh, yes. Whatever happened to that? No, we haven't heard much about it lately. The uh, the president, as you will recall, convinced that he actually won the popular vote in 2016 over Hillary Clinton, established the commission back in May. Vice President Mike Pence is the chair. But as the Kansas City Star notes, the Kansas Secretary of State Chris Kobach is widely considered the real leader of this group. But they uh, note the uh, editorial board in the uh, Kansas City Star notes that the commission has all but disappeared publicly and there is growing indications that it will set a new standard for uselessness. It's coming from the Kansas City Star. The commission ran into immediate problems last summer when it asked for voter data file from all 50 states. Several states denounced the request, refused to comply Lawsuits filed by uh, mid-July, the Washington Post reported at least seven plaintiffs had sued the commission, including the ACLU, the NAACP, the Electronic Privacy Information Center. These cases are all winding their way through the courts. The commission has met just twice formally back in July and again in September. It has issued no other meeting notices and its staff did not respond Uh, a few days ago to an email asking if the commission would convene again this year. Its website lists no statements at all since August. The lack of public discussion does not mean that the commission isn't working privately, of course, the star notes. Kobach may be teaming up with like-minded colleagues such as Hans von Spakovsky, who is so outside the mainstream that he said Democrats and moderate Republicans should be excluded from the commission entirely. Remember that? And then he lied about it. He lied about having written that advice uh, in a Heritage Foundation email, even though uh, the email was released from Heritage Foundation, revealing that he said exactly that. And Heritage Foundation said, yeah, that was him. That was Hans von Spakovsky who is a known liar and a uh, longtime the GOP's top voter fraud fraudster, at least until Kobach came along. Kobach may be taking over that role. Uh, or maybe he's just the brawn. Kobach is the brawn. Uh, Von Spakovsky is the brains behind all of this. Uh, one of these days I'm going to have to go back and pull. I know we have it somewhere that uh, time. Remember when I appeared with Von Spakovsky on uh, oh, yes. Tavis Smiley's radio show? Yes. Uh, he and I went at it. Uh, and I, maybe it might have been the first time that anybody was ever on air 
uh, with him, you know, who was willing to call him out for lying and explaining how uh, how he had lied. Yeah, as I and, and and equipped to do so because, as we've noticed over these many years, the corporate media has only just now sort of yeah. caught on to the lie, the Republican lie about voter fraud, and they weren't willing to stand up to the people who were pervasive, who were sending out these lies, and say, "I'm sorry, Mr. Von Spakovsky, that's but just that is not, not true. true. That is a lie, and here's how we know it's a lie." Uh, yeah, this was way back in 2005 or six or something. Um, and back then, no, I, you know, very few. I was a very lonely voice back then when it came to this uh, voter fraud fraud that the GOP has been pulling off. Uh, in any event, now you got the Kansas City Star calling them out. Democrats were uh, named uh, to this commission anyway, despite Von Spakovsky saying, let's put no Democrats on here. He also didn't want to put moderate Republicans on the commission. Uh, But these Democrats are now saying they're out of the loop. Maine Secretary of State Matt Dunlap and Alabama Judge Alan King recently wrote letters to the commission's staff complaining about the secrecy. As the AP reported last week, uh, in a letter sent October 17, Maine's uh, Secretary of State, Democrat Matthew Dunlap, said it was clear that he was not being made aware of information pertaining to the commission. He requested copies of all correspondence between commission members since Trump signed the executive order creating it back in May. He wrote in his letter to the commission's executive director. Remember, he's on the commission and he's writing these uh, letters to the executive director saying, I'm in a position where I feel compelled to inquire after the work of the commission upon which I am sworn to serve and am yet completely uninformed as to its activities. He said he had received no information about the commission's research or activities since its last meeting back in September. He hasn't heard from anybody. He also said he continued to receive uh, media inquiries about the commission's developments, quote, that I, as a commissioner, am blind to. Another another Democratic commissioner from Alabama, Jefferson County probate judge Alan King, said he sent a similar letter last week to the commission. He said the only information that he's received since the uh, meeting in September over a month ago was an email informing him of the death of a fellow commissioner. Former, uh, also a Democrat, former Arkansas state lawmaker David Dunn, who died, and uh, they all heard about this from the media as well. He said during a phone interview with AP, here I am on this high-level government committee, and I don't know what the next meetings are or how many meetings there will be. I'm in the dark on what will happen from this point on, to tell you the truth, he said. King and Dunlap are two of just four now Democrats on this 11-member commission. In August, the AP filed a records request trying to figure out what was going on. They filed a Freedom of Information Act request back in August. And the law, federal law, specifies that agencies like this, including presidential commissions, have 20 business days to respond or 10 calendar days if the request was filed on an expedited basis, as the AP's request was, apparently. Yet to date... The AP has received no response from the commission, despite multiple attempts to get one. And even Congress can't seem to figure out what's going on here. The, uh, the Democrat uh, Democratic senators have filed at least five separate requests for information with the commission since June. 
Uh, they followed up again in September saying what's going on. And the, the letter by uh, Democratic Senators Amy Klobuchar of Minnesota, Sheldon Whitehouse of Rhode Island, said the commission has not re- responded to a single letter from senators with oversight jurisdiction of this commission. And they continue to be uh, re- rebuked, this commission, for its questionable activities, and yet they are not responding to U.S. senators. Last week, a group of three Democratic senators wrote to the GAO, Government Accountability Office, seeking an investigation. And now the GAO has agreed to that review. So that maybe is some good news. But, uh, you know, Kobach is also running for governor in Kansas while he's doing all of this, even while he serves as the head of the Presidential Commission on Elections, even while serving as Kansas's chief election official, even while serving as the only secretary of state in the country with the power to indict people for voter fraud. And even though he originally ran on stopping voter fraud, that was his whole thing. That was the only thing that he was running uh, for this uh, wing nut when he ran for secretary of state in Kansas back in 2010, seven years ago. Despite that, he has come up with just nine voter fraud indictments since then. This massive voter fraud conspiracy that he ran about, that he lied about, that he's still lying about, that he told the president about and uh, allowed the president to then lie about. All of that while he's running this uh, controversial and wildly inaccurate cross-check program, supposedly meant to help states weed out people who are registered in more than one state. Though the program has been found, according to studies, to have something like a 99% false positive rate because all it does is compare first and last names and birth dates. So if the birth date of a John Lee in Kansas is the same as a John Lee in Illinois, uh, he's seen as being registered in both states. And in some states, uh, they are making the process easier to just take those names from cross-check and just remove them, just purge them from the uh, from the files. Even if John Lee's middle name and social security number is totally different from one state to the next, they're still just some states just boom, removing them based on that alone. That's the program that Chris Kobach runs. Those false positives, according to a number of studies, are seen as affecting ethnic minorities more than, you know, white people, because ethnic minorities often share uh, uh, similar surnames uh, more often than than white voters. Uh, though, by the way, white voters are affected by this uh, by this as well, by this faulty program that Kobach runs. Back to the Kansas City Star here. Some some may take solace in the commission's quixotic search for non-existent evidence. Perhaps the commission is fading into well-deserved oblivion. But the Kansas City Star says we are more worried. The commission's lack of transparency and visible accomplishments could be a smokescreen designed to protect it from criticism and embarrassment until next year when it can drop dubious recommendations and unsubstantiated claims just weeks out before the midterm elections. You're nodding. Desiree. Oh, yeah. You yeah. Agree? Out of sight is out of mind of the media. And luckily, the KC Star is trying to pursue more information on this. But yeah, I think that that's exactly what they are doing. They are working undercover of darkness and they are going to drop something big when there's not enough time to mobilize any resistance to it. 
just uh, leak something over to Fox News the day before primary election uh, come, uh, next year? Or hell, even this, uh, we got elections coming up on Tuesday. Uh, and uh, all over the country, and a special uh, U.S. Senate election down in Alabama in December. Uh, the Casey Star says there are still real problems a commi- such a commission might investigate. Why, for example, and I'm very happy to see this brought up in Kansas, why, for example, did someone in Georgia erase computer records shortly after this year's special election? Awesome. Oh, it made good. It into Kansas they noticed. Made. Yay. What I've been uh, having my hair on fire about for, for so long. Um, go back. Go, go to bradblog.com, by the way. Download. If you missed our shows on that, including our uh, Thursday show with one of the plaintiffs in that case, go download it. Have a listen. It'll Share make it. It'll make you happy. Share it around. Yeah. Um, the other, other questions. Uh, how might the nation pay for new voting machines, they wonder? Well, we could just throw out the ones we have and just use you know, pen and paper, hand-marked paper ballots, count them by human beings. And pay those human beings. Create some jobs. Yeah, there you go. How can uh, how can voters' rights be protected? They could be looking into that. But as uh, Casey Starr notes, the Kobach Commission appeared uninterested in any of those questions. The first advice remains the best. The commission should disband. Failing that, the Ameri- uh, Americans can easily conclude the group's work is useless and should be discarded. Good for the KC Star. All right, quick break, and we will open uh, more GOP fraud, the GOP tax cut fraud file. After this, I'm Brad Friedman. Don't go away. <laughs> Hey, this is Brad. If you haven't noticed by now, it's no easy feat finding facts, real facts, not alternative facts, over your public airwaves. We try to bring you real facts, truth, and clarity without fear or favor each and every day on the Bradcast. But we need your help to do it. If you enjoy the show and or get something from it, please give back a bit, if you can, by visiting us at bradblog.com donate. Your support helps Desi and me continue to bring you real, independent, progressive news five days a week over your public airwaves. We simply can't do it without your help, and that help is needed more now than ever. Please stop by bradblog.com donate today to make a one-time donation or, even better, automated monthly support. It'll take you about 60 seconds, and you can rest easy knowing that we'll be here every day making sense of it all, or at least trying to. That's bradblog.com slash donate, and thanks. Because I'm the tax man. Yeah? Yeah, I'm the tax man. Yes. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com the trump administration and the congressional gop have failed to pass any substantive legislation thank god almost (laughs) it's quite all right whatever uh this uh, the whole year really uh and despite controlling the house the white house uh, both houses of congress and so yes they are absolutely desperate to get their tax cuts passed even if they just massively increase the federal deficit and the debt in order to do so. They don't care. They don't care. So right now we're talking um, 
at least one and a half trillion it's going to increase the uh, the the debt by if if this goes through probably much more so just remember that please remember that next time that republicans complain about a democratic administration increasing the debt or the deficit uh, even though, by the way, Democratic administrations tend to decrease both of those. But just remember that next time they're in there, next time they're calling the tax and spend liberals. Remember that. Remember that next time they call themselves conservatives trying to fiscal hawks, uh, fiscal hawks trying to make government smaller. They're not. They're lying. So from the uh, GOP tax cut fraud file today. Uh, to accomplish this massive tax cut for very wealthy Americans and huge corporations. They're going to have to turn up the lies here in a big way over the next few weeks. They're going to have to turn them up to 11. Uh, and, and they're already coming from Republicans. They began to do that this week with the introduction of their uh, of their tax cut scheme. Here's House Speaker Paul Ryan at uh, at its unveiling this week. With this plan... The typical family of four will save $1,182 a year on their taxes. For many families, having an additional $1,182 more will make a real difference. That $1,182 more covers about a year's worth of gas for your car. It covers your family's phone bill for the year, depending on how much data, of course, your kids use. (laughs) That $1,182 more... It can help you pay down your debt faster. It can help you start and renovate your home faster. (laughs) That $1,182 more for the average family, that will help you put more money away for college. It will help you save for retirement. It will help you save for a rainy day. With this plan, we are getting rid of loopholes for special interests and we are leveling Mm. the playing field. We're making things so simple. We're making things so simple that you can do your taxes on a form the size of a postcard. With this plan... We are making pro-growth reforms so that, yes, America can compete with the rest of the world. But we're also making it so that families like these that are here can have more take-home pay. Okay, yes. Well, how much did he say? Did he mention that number, 1,182? <laughs> yeah, several Could, times. Uh, just a few times. Uh, for the average family, he'll be leveling the playing field, making this so simple that you can fill out your taxes on a postcard. Families will have more take-home pay. Really? Really? 1,182? Is that how much it was? Well, uh, as it turns out, uh, that is not quite the tax cut that the average American family is going to get. Surprise. Yeah, surprise. As a matter of fact, that uh, that same average American family, their taxes will go up under the current plan. Not down, they will go up. You might get that tax cut next year, uh, but before you know it, you're going to actually be paying more in taxes under this GOP tax plan, tax plan as it currently is. David Kamen, a professor of law at NYU School of Law, broke this down via uh, uh, medium and it gets a little bit weedy here, but I think it makes sense. And I think it's important for you to understand just how they're pulling off this scam because it's really clever. It sounds good. Hey, you're all he has got all the families there. You're all going to get another thousand dollars next year. Well, Kamen says uh, House Republicans put forward a plan <clears throat> to fundamentally revamp the tax code, provide large tax breaks to the highest income Americans through rate cuts on business income and repeal of the estate tax. However, 
House Republicans have also claimed that the plan provides significant tax breaks to middle income families. And of course, that's what they're going to be focusing on. Over wanna, and over and over Yeah, they don't want to talk no. about the part where it's, you know, great benefits for the billionaires. Uh, that stick around, that don't disappear. That are unlike, permanent forever. Right. As uh, Cameron points out, uh, it turns out th- that though those tax breaks for the middle uh, class are small as compared to what's offered at the top, those cuts are also disappearing all right, so he cites uh, Ryan's rollout for the plan and that a uh, this uh, example family, this married couple making $59,000 per year, they have two kids, and that they would get $1,182 uh, in, uh, in, in, uh, in a tax cut in uh, 2018. Actually, he finds they're going to get less than that, but close, $1,000 or so. But what they didn't say is that 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 family making fifty nine thousand dollars a year would face a tax increase by twenty twenty four. That's just five years away or so uh, relative to the current law with the tax increase potentially rising to five hundred dollars per year under this plan over the next 10 years. The pattern of tax cuts turning into a tax hike is the result of several factors. Here's where it gets a little weedy, but you need to understand what the, what they're doing because you're going to hear this. They've got a new thing, the family flexibility credit. That's $300 for each tax filer and their spouse. That's what you're going to they're going to talk about. That's one of the new things. That family flexibility credit expires in 2022. So that expires five years from now. It goes away. All right. So the family flexibility credit. Second, the plan repeals personal exemptions, which under current law would allow a a $4,100 write-off per person in a household as of 2018. The personal exemption in the plan is supposed to be replaced by uh, the family flexibility credit, which disappears after 2022 and by an expansion of the child tax credit of $600 per child. But the personal exemption is indexed to inflation under current law and the replacement uh, things they're putting in here are not indexed to replacement. So as inflation happens, inflation happens over the next few years, these tax credits will not increase unlike the personal exemption uh, credits that they're getting rid of. Further, the family flexibility credit expires after 2022. And then third, the plan indexes the tax system to a measure of inflation that would provide somewhat lower cost of living adjustments each year on average. So it changes the way all of this is figured out just by doing some fancy math so that you get less money Uh, less tax credits going forward. And remember, this is all to pay for big permanent tax cuts to billionaires and corporations. Whose tax credits uh, and exemptions and tax cuts here do not decrease over time. They stay the same. So he says this results in a a slowly growing tax increase over time. Uh, Once that provision kicks in, changing the way they measure inflation uh, and then also after 2022 when they do away with that family flexibility credit altogether. So the net effect of that is to transform the advertised tax cut of one thousand one hundred and eighty two for that family of four that Paul Ryan said over and over and over again to a tax increase of five hundred dollars a year over time. 
Now, he says, uh, Kamen says that Republicans could adjust the plan to eliminate this tax increase. Maybe they will. But he notes that as the uh, case has been in every time they've every iteration of the same proposal, that they can't change the basic dynamic that the middle class tax cuts, if they exist at all, are paltry compared to what those at the top are getting. And even if they don't explicitly increase taxes on some middle class families, as this plan now does over time, it is likely to result in those middle class families losing out down the line when the deficit financed tax cuts which is a nice way to say they're just cutting taxes and they ain't paying for them when those eventually must be paid for in some way, shape or form. How will they be paid for? Well, by, you know, slashing social services that low and middle income Americans rely on. Your Social Security, your Medicare, your Medicaid. Uh, so all of this, yes, is a scam, but it, it's a very clever scam and it'll be difficult for average Americans to understand all of this uh, as as you know, they're selling it to you, not just on Fox News, but on the rest of the media, because they are desperate to get this passed when they when the Americans, you know, here one thousand one hundred and eighty two dollars extra a year. Well, that sounds great, but it is not. Senators Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders had a few thoughts on this tax cut scheme. Uh, I want to play this uh, audio that has been going around this week since the Republicans came out with this scheme. No, sorry, for you was Elizabeth. No. Elizabeth. Please, Elizabeth. Oh, come on. Uh, I'm going to call you Larry David. <laughs> so right now the Republicans are planning to rain about $2 trillion in tax giveaways down on these giant corporations. And let's talk for just a second about who the biggest beneficiaries are gonna be. You're gonna love this, Bernie. First biggest beneficiary is gonna be the giant banks, right? In fact, estimated to be number one on the list is Wells Fargo. Remember our friends from the fake account the scandal? socially conscious institutions. That's right, that's right. the one, that's right. the one. Second set of big beneficiaries here are going to be the multinational corporations. And the third biggest group, wealthy foreign investors. So here we are at a moment of record corporate profits. And the Republicans think what this economy needs is a bunch of tax giveaways to the very richest in this economy, to the giant corporations. So why are they doing it, Bernie? Well, actually, your local paper, yep. Boston, Boston Globe, Globe had a very good article last month. I don't know if you can see it here, if you can capture it, but the headline reads, and I think it tells it all, the Koch brothers, parentheses, and their friends yep. want President Trump's tax cut very badly. That's the headline. Yep. So Elizabeth, you go to Boston, or if I go to Burlington, Vermont, or in fact, you can go to any city in any state in America, and you ask people, do you think it's a good idea to cut Medicaid by a trillion dollars, cut Medicare, cut education, cut environmental protection in order to give $1.9 trillion in tax breaks to the wealthiest people in this country. What percentage of the folks do you think would say, oh yeah, that's a really Great good idea. idea. I'm afraid we're making real low numbers. <laughs> I mean, you'll look at yeah. single digits. Yeah, okay. there we are. And yet, and here is the crisis of our time. Nobody believes that what the Republicans are talking about makes any sense at all. Every poll that we have seen whether it was health care, whether it's taxes, overwhelming opposition. But there is a group of people, we've got to be honest about this, there is a group of people who think this is a tremendous idea. 
And those are a handful of billionaire families who in this election cycle will spend many hundreds of millions of dollars to elect the candidates who support this crap. Spend many hundreds of millions crap. to elect He's the candidates crap. who support it. And here's the key. Get a fabulous return on their investment. Absolutely. So that's the basic deal. We're talking, once again, about a system that's been rigged right here in Washington. Rigged so that the richest, thinnest slice at the top gets more and more and they kick dirt in everybody else's face. And the other thing, it's not only that it makes the rich richer at a time of massive income and wealth inequality, but what it does is it fulfills the Koch brothers' agenda. Their agenda is to basically end every federal program, whether it is Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, public education. They're after privatizing virtually every public program that helps working families in order to make the very, very rich richer. This is the issue of our time. And if we don't rally the American people to stand up and create an economy that works for all of us, not for these guys, this country is going to be in deep, deep trouble. So I'm in this fight. How about you, Bernie? We're there. Let's do it. That was uh, President Bernie Sanders and Vice President Elizabeth Warren <laughs> oh, speaking. <man. laughs> oh, sorry. I had on, a on Earth too. Maybe, yeah, different timeline. Was, uh, I had a, a brief hitch there in the time space continuum for a second. <laughs> I'm afraid. Uh, talking about the Republican tax cut scheme, which I suspect we'll continue to talk about in the days ahead, whether we uh, like to or not. There was uh, a bit a big report that I guess we're going to have to wait for a future uh, story. You want to give us the uh, main headline here from the climate change is uh, a hoax file. <laughs> yes. So quickly, the National Climate Assessment has been released. That's a report compiled by 13 federal agencies, and it's required by law. The uh, There was some fear that the Trump administration was going to try to alter or somehow prevent the publication of it. They did not. Uh, apparently, they didn't interfere at all. And the key findings are, are what pretty much anybody who listens to this show already knows. Climate change is real. It is caused by humans. And if we act upon it, we can stop it. And they found uh, that there is, quote, no convincing alternative explanation for global warming. Other than humans. That's right. right. The cars That's we it. drive, the power plants we operate, the forests we destroy, those are to blame. And this uh, national climate assessment by these 13 federal agencies says humans are the cause and we need to act because it's going to get really bad. And it was signed off on by the White House, right? Yep. So the White House now understands global warming and they know <laughs> that man is responsible for it. I'm sure they will take action as soon as the president is back from Asia. All right, got to get out. My thanks, as ever, to my producer, Desi Doyen. Thank you very much, Desiree. And to you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. If you missed any portion of today's broadcast, download it for free anytime at bradblog.com. Hope you will find, follow, and share us uh, worldwide on the Facebooks and the Twitters, where I could be found as the Brad Blog. Uh, and oh, drop me an email if you like. I'm bradcast at bradblog.com. And as ever, my thanks to those of you who help support us getting the truth and the facts, no matter how weedy, out uh, to the American people and the world here on the Bradcast by stopping by bradblog.com slash donate. Your support is much needed 
and greatly appreciated. Over your public airwaves. Thanks for pointing that out. Until we meet again, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world.